morning. We tackle life listeners. I'm Bruce Hooley. It's a July 28th edition of the podcast. Glad to have you along. Appreciate it very much. We have a deeper dive into the Big Ten goings on behind the scenes and something Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith told my friend Clay Hall, the hardest working man in television sports at the Big Ten kickoff luncheon that's not getting any headlines, but I think was the most newsworthy thing to come out of the Big Ten kickoff luncheon, and it Definitely speaks to a lot that's happened to the conference with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC and may, may indicate something about Ohio State's mindset going forward in what will surely be a period of adjustment in college football conference expansion. We've got Olympics, the Simone Biles situation and a faith element at the end of the podcast is always so. I appreciate your time and invite you to leave a review at iTunes and also to send us an email. Let us know about our content. The email address is wetacklelife at gmail.com. Wetacklelife at gmail.com. I'd appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast and uh, encourage your friends to subscribe too as we're ramping up into football season. And, um, That'll be fun because Ohio State's going to be really good. The Browns should be really good. The Bengals should be, I think, pretty good. So a lot of good things to talk about in football this fall in the state of Ohio. Let's start talking about something really good that you can start your morning with, which is coffee from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Ah, 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps when you order at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You will not be disappointed in the quality of the coffee, in the variety of the coffees offered. Many different flavors, light, medium, dark roast, K-cups, whole bean, roasted, you name it. They can do it. They will do it. They'll send it right to your door. And free shipping on orders of $30 or more, which is an awesome deal. So patronize Hemisphere and know that you are helping people in impoverished countries around the world, Nicaragua, Thailand, Indonesia, and others. That is where Hemisphere buys its coffee. Very discerning buyers, only the best. You will not be disappointed. No one is disappointed when they order from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Literally, I have never been told by anybody, eh, I tried their coffee. It's not really worth it. <laughs> no, I get many people who tell me, wow, thanks for turning me on to Hemisphere. And trust me, if you ever met Paul, Grace, Andy, and the Hemisphere team, you'd be like, holy cow, what great people. I can't wait to patronize their business. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Order online and use that promo code. We tackle life in all caps. All right. Big Ten football is on the horizon. Ohio State starts practice next week. But the most newsworthy thing, until Ohio State gets hip deep in deciding that C.J. Stroud is its quarterback and announcing that, which I think all of us expect, the most interesting thing about college football at this point in time is, of course, what will the college football landscape look like going forward? Will Texas and Oklahoma be in the SEC next year? Will Texas and Oklahoma have to serve out the end of the uh, have to wait out rather the end of the SEC television contract with CBS and not join the big uh, not join the SEC until 2025? Here's the deal: TV and football drive conference expansion. Okay, everything is about football. Yes, basketball is a revenue sport, but basketball does not drive conference expansion. Not in the SEC and not in the Big Ten. And those are the two major players, although the Big Ten better watch over its shoulder or the ACC could supplant the Big Ten. How embarrassing would it be for the Big Ten if Notre Dame firmed up its 
already uh, existing relationship in the SEC with full membership joining in football, not just in every sport, but football. Wow. Woo! I don't know if Kevin Warren could survive that. So I mentioned the man's name, the commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren. And I have obviously equated many times that I am not a Kevin Warren supporter. I think he is a bad leader. I think he proved that at the luncheon this year in Indianapolis or at the media days this year in Indianapolis when he said he would not do anything differently from last year when the Big Ten looked foolish nationally, canceling its season in an alarmist way. And the SEC and the Big 12 said, well, we're playing. (laughs) And so then the Big Ten had to uh, backtrack and play. Uh, in fact, doing things within, I think, the same week that they made announcements. We're not doing this. Oh, wait. Yes, we are. Okay. So my Kevin Warren position is clearly uh, delineated. But something happened at the Big Ten kickoff luncheon involving Gene Smith, Ohio State Athletic Director, that I did not find out about until the last few days. And when I found out about it, it made me say, wow. Clay Hall of WSYX Channel 6, a friend and a really good guy, by the way, uh, interviewed Gene Smith at the luncheon and at the media days. And Gene is pretty friendly with Clay. Yeah, Gene's friendly with all the TV guys. He doesn't want to look bad on camera, but he's particularly friendly with Clay. And Clay has a very easy manner to talk to. Clay is, um, you know, really just a wonderful man. And Clay asked Gene Smith something about, eh, you know, Kevin Warren was up there today. He's new, kind of a new commissioner, a lot of criticism. It was not a gotcha question. It was just kind of a really bordering on a throwaway question. Just I'll throw out there, get Gene Smith's comment on Kevin Warren. And Gene Smith, I I know Clay Hall was expecting nothing uh, too revealing from that comment that he was going to get from Gene Smith. He expected, oh, you know, Kevin's done a great job and Kevin had a lot of challenges and Kevin's maybe Kevin's young and he's learning or he'll, you know, whatever. Instead, Gene Smith, while not lighting up Kevin Warren, lit him up and backed the bus over him like 12 times. Because Gene Smith told Clay Hall that Gene was a member of the Big Ten Advisory Committee, which investigated and vetted candidates to succeed Jim Delaney as Big Ten commissioner. So you've got athletic directors at all these schools in the Big Ten, maybe a school president or whatever, and they're doing a search. They're casting a wide net. Who's out there in the corporate world? Who's out there in the athletic world? Who would like to elevate from conf- from uh, AD to conference commissioner? Who's been the CEO of a Fortune 500 company? Or who's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Would they like to come and be commissioner of the Big Ten? That's a big job. You make Jim Delaney made $5 million a year. Uh, being the commissioner of the Big Ten. So it's a big job with a national reach and a television network and a lot of things to manage. So Gene Smith and his committee come up with a list of names to give to the Big Ten presidents. Here are your list of names, presidents. Now go to it. Check these people out. Interview these people. Which one do you think would make the best Big Ten commissioner? Well, Gene Smith told Clay Hall on camera, on the record, that Kevin Warren's name was not, I repeat, not on the list of candidates the Big Ten Advisory Committee handed to the presidents for consideration as Big Ten commissioner. I assume you grasp the significance of that comment. 
But if you haven't, let me demonstrate it for you. Gene Smith is saying, don't put his hiring on me. Don't you dare blame us for bringing him to the Big Ten. We had nothing to do with it, which is a wow moment. Gene Smith is saying, I am washing my hands of Kevin Warren. His leadership of the Big Ten, which Texas and Oklahoma's departure for the SEC, without the Big Ten even getting a phone call, without the Big Ten having any clue that the Texas and Oklahoma people were looking at the SEC, is a glaring indictment of Kevin Warren. And you can tell from Gene Smith backing the bus over Kevin Warren that Gene Smith is not happy and that if Gene Smith is not happy, you have to ask yourself, is Ohio State not happy? Because if Ohio State is not happy, and Ohio State is now, because it's not happy, open to saying, hmm, well, the leadership of the Big Ten has demonstrated to us during COVID and during Oklahoma and Texas's surprise departure from the Big 12 for the SEC, Kevin Warren has demonstrated to us that the future of our conference is in inept hands, and he who hesitates is lost. And we like money at Ohio State, and in fact, we generate money for the entire rest of the Big Ten. Maybe it's time for us to get on the phone and call Greg Sankey if Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, has not already called us and say, hey, Greg. What would an SEC television contract be worth with Ohio State in the SEC? Now, you can say I'm inventing all this, and there are reports out there that the SEC would like to have Ohio State and Michigan. They'd be nuts not to, and they're not nuts. But I do not think it is beyond the realm of possibility. He who hesitates is lost. The Big Ten has hesitated. Ohio State is not going to hesitate without taking care of Ohio State. It is getting rapidly to the point where in college athletics, it's every man for himself. If the SEC would now decide, hmm, okay, well, Ohio State and Michigan aren't interested. How about USC and Clemson? How about Miami and Clemson? Got to remember, SEC baseball is big. Miami and Clemson would add a ton to the SEC in baseball. Uh, they don't, the SEC, you know, basketball is a good thing for them, but they're not that married to it. So Miami and Clemson in basketball really wouldn't bother. Miami and Clemson in football would be boffo, huge, uh, earth shaking. I mentioned the other day Arizona and Arizona State as possibilities for the SEC because you preserve Arizona and Arizona State's rivalry. You add the Phoenix market, you add all the way, you know, from Texas all the way over to to Arizona. That's south in the United States. It's not southeast, but it's south. So this is, uh, but again, don't miss the significance of Gene Smith saying Kevin Warren was asleep at the switch and is uh, someone that Ohio State has got to be looking at askance. Here's one of the big factors in this too. Rutgers in Maryland, which generally have added nothing to the Big Ten, Zero zip nada. I know Jim Delaney goes, oh, we got the Washington, D.C. TV market and we got the New York TV market. Uh, they didn't get anything out of that that they um, they didn't get as much out of that as they hoped they would get. But the Big Ten's revenue share 
in the most recent numbers, and this is not a good barometer because the most recent numbers do not include the last season when COVID intruded. The SEC played a lot more games in the Big Ten. So we don't know what the revenue share for the conference was last year, but here's what we do know. Last year was the first year that Rutgers and Maryland got full shares as conference members. In previous years, the last number on record is 2018 for the Big Ten. Big Ten members, 12 of them, 12 of the 14, Rutgers and Maryland notwithstanding, 12 members received full shares from the TV revenue of $54 million apiece. $54 million. Rutgers and Maryland got $27 million. They got half that. Now, starting last year, they get full shares. Well, last year's not a good barometer because COVID and, you know, did the TV partners pay the full price? Did the TV partners get a discount? We don't know. But we know going forward that Rutgers and Maryland now dip into everybody else's share. What happens when 12 members get a full share and two members get a half share? What happens when you move to 14 members getting a full share? Ah, the other 12 members, full shares, suddenly are less full. So that $54 million check mm, may not happen for Big Ten members going forward. Here is what the SEC was smart to do when it negotiated its new contract with ESPN. And this goes back to the SEC adding Missouri and Texas A&M years ago. The SEC was in the midst of a long contract at that time with CBS for its football game of the week. The SEC is still in the final stages of a renewal of that contract with CBS. CBS made a big mistake when the SEC added Missouri and Texas A&M. SEC goes to them and says, hey, we added Missouri and Texas A&M. Uh, we would like for you to pay us more. Like whatever you're paying us, let's say they were paying $100 million, just round numbers to work with, $120 million. Let's say they were paying $120 million. We had 12 members. You were paying us $120 million. Now we have 14 members. We want you to pay us $140 million. So everybody gets $10 million. And CBS said, no, no, not going to do it. No, we have a contract. The contract says $120 million. It doesn't say $10 million per school. So, nah, 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 nah. Oh, okay. You want to play that way? Okay, fine. So the SEC never forgot that. And the SEC has now gone to ESPN and ESPN paid them a boatload of cash starting in 2025 for the SEC game of the week. CBS will be a non-entity in 2025. When the SEC negotiated its new deal with ESPN, the SEC made sure, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, or whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, the SEC did not make the same mistake twice. The SEC negotiated into its ESPN contract, if we add more schools and they are big-name schools, you will agree to pay us more money so that everybody's individual share does not go down. And ESPN said, okay. Assuming, and maybe it's in the contract language, that the SEC was not going to add Louisiana Monroe and Samford and indeed, they have not. They have added Texas and Oklahoma. So what do you think is going to happen to the SEC's dominance in football ratings? Now the SEC's backup game becomes a plum game. Because when you add Texas and Oklahoma, you add the potential for another great game every week. So Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, is 
really on top of it. And Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, is not. And so I don't know that Ohio State and Michigan can feel good about a Kevin Warren-led future in the Big Ten because it's fine when the Big Ten is operating under the old system and Maryland and Rutgers are getting half shares and everybody who's a full member of the Big Ten, 12 schools, including Penn State and Nebraska, are getting $54 million checks. But Ohio State's athletic program is not geared for its revenue-sharing check every year to go down. And Ohio State's athletic program is not geared for the Big Ten to be a clearly inferior league to the SEC. There's always been, of course, the proof that the SEC provides more national champions from the Big Ten. But as the SEC adds Texas and Oklahoma, it certainly has eclipsed the Big Ten in the argument in terms of who has the more prestigious group of football schools. Because right now, the only super prestigious football school in the Big Ten, you can say Penn State, they're in the top ten occasionally, but does anybody think Penn State is on par with Alabama or LSU? No, they don't. So it's really going to be interesting going forward, and I would not be surprised if Ohio State says... We've always been good to the rest of the league. We've always been loyal brothers, and we've always been hesitant to throw our weight around and do what's best for us. But we're at a point where, where has that gotten us? And we have to worry about our future. Ohio State does not want to cut sports. They do not want to have to let good coaches get away because they cannot afford them, head coaches or assistant coaches. They're paying at least five football coaches this year a million dollars a year or more. At least five. Kerry Combs, Ryan Day, Larry Johnson, Tony Alford, um, and I forget who I'm missing, but somebody in there. And Brian Hartline, if they're not paying Brian Hartline a million dollars very, very soon, Brian Hartline is going to be coaching somewhere else, or he's going to have offers to coach somewhere else. I won't say he'll be coaching somewhere else because Brian is obviously an Ohio State guy and an Ohio guy, but Brian Hartline is a f- Brian Hartline is a superstar. And <laughs> look at the receivers he's recruited. Uh, so. Uh, somebody will dangle an offensive coordinator's job to him. Somebody will dangle a head coaching job to him. And Ohio State's going to have to pony up for Brian Hartline. It is going to be, if not already, a reality that Ohio State will be paying more assistant football coaches a million dollars than fewer football coaches. There will be more million-dollar coaches on Ohio State's staff than there are non-million-dollar coaches. That is what I would say about that is my uh, Forrest Gump wrap-up to the whole Ohio State football topic. Now, Willis Spangler Starling is my attorney firm. It should be yours. You should remember that name in your mind, Willis Spangler Starling. If, in fact, your life ever intersects a need for your legal rights being protected or a legal action being pressed, personal injury is is a possibility every single time you leave your house, even in your house, but you're not going to sue yourself. So uh, you could get in a car accident. Somebody could be negligent and cause you an injury. They're not ambulance chasers. They're just fair, solid attorneys. And it's not wrong to stick up for yourself if your employer disadvantages you from a legal perspective or if uh, you suffer an injury at work and it's work-related and it impedes your ability to work. That brings Social Security disability into the picture. Willis Spangler Starling is the firm that you should call upon because trust. 
That's the word. I trust them implicitly. And I have used them several times for every single legal issue that I've had over the past five years. And I've walked away every time being amazed at how much they care, how smart they are, how um, frank, I guess I would say they are, because I've had some things that I thought were right. And they've been like, nope, not right. So you need somebody sometimes to rein you in and to uh, tell you that uh, this is how it is and this is why it is how it is. And that is Willis Spangler Starling. So look for them online at willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, willisattorneys.com. And uh, you, of course, can find them on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, just a little bit north of the Mill Run area, just past, if you're coming from the south, just past Target and Home Depot. All right. Last night, I flipped on the television to watch the Ohio State uh, entry in the the basketball tournament. Ohio State's team name is Carmen Crew. They were, what were they, like men of the scarlet and gray or something like that, and then Ohio State like wouldn't let them use the name, which was silly always. But uh, Carmen's crew, uh, Aaron Kraft, John Diebler, uh, William Buford, Costa Kufas, Shannon Scott, um, you know, a lot of former Buckeyes on that team. And they won the TBT a couple years ago, million dollars, divided among the players and the coaches. Jared Sullinger is the coach of the team. They're up 10 after the first quarter. They're up 12 at halftime. They're up 12 after three quarters. They were up 18 at one point in the game. They lost the game. They lost to a team uh, funded by Floyd Mayweather Jr. And wow, what a bummer uh, because I love watching those guys play. And um, yeah, they blew it. They blew it. They're playing at the Covelli Center on Ohio State's campus. Got the crowd behind them and didn't get it done. So... Disappointing, disappointing, and um, that's where we are with that. So uh, yesterday, of course, was the uh, big uh, Olympic controversy. I don't know, controversy, development, um, around Simone Biles. Simone Biles, the most decorated member of the U.S. gymnastics team, star of the 2016 Rio Olympics, heavy favorite to win the all-around heavy favorite to add to her uh, stash of career gold medals. Simone Biles, this well, yesterday, I guess, uh, withdrew and now will not compete in the all-around competition on Thursday. There was some uh, degree of uncertainty yesterday. Uh, after she withdrew from the team competition following one vault attempt, there was some possibility that she would reconcile in her mind or whatever she needed to reconcile and come back and compete on Thursday in the individual all-around competition. Well, the individual all-around is they do all the disciplines, floor exercise, bars, vault, uh, pom- uh, whatever else there is in gymnastics, a balance beam, and you compete on all the apparatus, all the events, and then they decide who's the best all-around gymnast. So that's a prestigious title at the Olympics. I would say the most prestigious title at the Olympics in the individual side, uh, on the gymnastics front, of course. She's not going to compete. She won at the last Olympics. She's not going to compete. Yesterday, uh, the team event began, which is where you have two competitors from uh, each country 
compete in each event, and then they pool those scores to decide who has the best overall team. Uh, The United States was the heavy favorite because of Simone Biles. So Simone Biles comes out, and the first event she's going to compete in on behalf of her team is the vault. She is incredibly athletic, incredibly uh, amazing athlete. She vaults. It's not a good vault. She was supposed to do two and a half somersaults. She did one and a half. And she went over to the side and she said, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to compete anymore. Okay, so I've struggled. No, I struggled. I've pondered. <laughs> I've pondered a lot of yesterday and, and almost all of this morning about my reaction to this and other people who share my reaction to this and the reaction to that reaction, trying to, as I always do, be disciplined enough to view it through a faith prism. So what was my reaction? My reaction was she quit on her team. I cannot believe she quit on her team. She was not physically hurt. She said that after. Word. She's not physically hurt, but something was wrong with her. She said mentals. I think she meant her mentality. She said her mind just wasn't there. Okay. I reacted harshly to that because I'm old school and I'm certainly influenced by my friendship with and uh, many discussions over the years about similar things as this with Chris Spielman. I have a very deep sense of responsibility. Every time I take a a personality test, one of the things I score highest on is responsibility. I have this overwhelming sense of if you say you're going to do it, you do it. You push through. You do whatever you have to do. I'm not trying to glorify myself there. I'm saying that's a character trait that I have. It's ingrained in me. I know by my father. You know, if you said if your if my father told me to do something and I didn't do it, it wasn't pleasant. If I was told to do something and I didn't do it to his specifications, it was not pleasant. Uh, So I'm sure that's where that comes from. I have apparently ingrained that in my daughters because yesterday, when when my daughters told me about what Simone Biles had done, I had been outside working outside in my uh, landscaping. I came inside. My daughters informed me of what she had done, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to be quiet here and see what they think of it. And they were (laughs) very upset and very critical of her. One of them said, I can't believe she's that selfish. One of them was reading comments online from people who were saying, it's okay, you're a hero, you're amazing, take care of yourself. And my daughter, my other, one of my other daughters was like, this is horrible. Like, how can people say this? What's wrong with these people? So... (laughs) Uh, don't recall ever having a sit down with any of my three girls saying, don't you ever let anybody down? Don't you ever bail in the middle of competition? They've just gathered that from, um, myself and from their mom who was a college athlete and a professional golfer. Okay. So, so I went, of course, you know, I went on Twitter and, and posted some things that were just, um, critical. I was like, you know. I can't get out of my mind. We're in, I just have to tell you, like window into my soul, I can't get out of my mind the images of D-Day. 
I watched Private Ryan a couple weeks ago. I talk politics on my radio show a lot. I'm always kind of viewing American culture and the trends of American culture through the prism of faith, through the prism of politics, through the prism of future politics, stuff like that. And um, and I've been thinking about my dad a lot lately, and I and I really you know I dearly miss my father, my, my mother too, but my father was a was a military veteran of World War II. And one of the reasons why I miss my father is because as I think about America and where the discourse is in America, I think about the effort my father gave to the country to serve his country and the country that he prized, the country that he deemed worthy of his military service. And I want that country to persevere. I want that country to um, flourish. And... I have wondered for a, a long time about our attitudes in this country, and do we have the um, fabric, the moral fabric, not the moral fabric, the, 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 the inner whatever, the inner fabric, drive, determination, awareness, processing of information. Do we do that now to the degree that we need to do it now to preserve the freedom and the liberty that we have? And that concerns me. And when I heard my daughter recount what people from all walks of life, including up to the White House, were saying yesterday about Simone Biles um, stepping out of the competition, even though she was not injured, it uh, ratcheted up my concern for our commitment to the ideals that I think are necessary for us to survive and flourish as a country. I'm not laying all that on Simone Biles. I'm just, I'm giving you how, like how I connect the dots mentally. <clears throat> and, uh, and I've questioned myself, uh, because I've seen the reaction to Jason Whitlock. I've seen the reaction to Clay Travis. Um, I don't look at my social media mentions because life is better lived, uh, not giving agency to people who, whose opinion uh, shouldn't matter to you, um, a, a, a hearing, an airing in your head. But I'm pretty sure that the same kind of sentiment that Clay Travis and Jason Whitlock are receiving would definitely be, <laughs> would definitely be sent toward me uh, for, viewing, for, for putting forth the same opinion. Um, and my tweets, I'm sure many thought were harsh. Um, but I couldn't get over the fact that one of the greatest Olympic moments I have ever witnessed, and everybody in America who was alive then has ever witnessed, was the 1980 Olympic hockey team, the Miracle on Ice kids, at beating the mighty Soviets. Now, I know it was a different political time then, but it's still, you know, we, we beat the Russians. We weren't supposed to beat the Russians. And that remains, I think, the most celebrated Olympic moment in American history. We beat the Russians for the gold. Yesterday, when Simone Biles stepped out of the competition, she enabled the Russians to win the gold. And I thought, it's a, isn't that interesting? Isn't that an interesting reflection on our culture in 40 years, which is one generation, 1980 to 2021, that beating the Russians is, in 1980, deemed the greatest display of courage and uh, determination and underdog mentality 
And now in 2021, stepping away from the competition, I'll say it, quitting, um, and allowing the Russians to win the gold is now seen as bravery and valor and courage. Now listen, I don't know what's going on in Simone Biles' head. Um, she's been through, she had a brother charged with a very serious crime. Uh, she uh, She's a gymnast, so she was mixed up in the whole Larry Nasser thing at Michigan, uh, you know, with USA Gymnastics. She was able to conquer all that in 2016 and win many gold medals. And she's a very rich young girl. She's 24. She's not a she's not a teenager. She's 24. So I'm astounded. I will just say that I am astounded. And this is also needs to be said. The reaction, the um portrayal of Simone Biles' actions, stepping out of the competition, leaving her teammates on an island, forcing somebody to do events that they were not planning on doing because they were expecting her to do them, putting her teammates in that position, the portrayal of that as courageous or that's okay, do what you do you and whatever it takes for you to be right and preserve your mental health. I don't think yesterday was a mental health issue. I think yesterday was a mental block issue. I, I don't think Simone Biles was depressed. I don't think she was uh, psychotic. Uh, I think we have to be careful when we want to paint pressure in a sporting event as the same as mental health, which is a really real thing many people battle. Um, I think it diminishes the mental health struggle if we just say, wow, I was really nervous and I was sick to the pit of my stomach. I was sick to the pit of my stomach before every race I ever ran in my life. Uh, I'm sure Tom Brady's nervous before Super Bowls. I don't think he tapped out at halftime against the Falcons when the Patriots were in a deep hole. Uh, but everybody's different. Uh, we, I just know this. Roberto Duran never outran quitting in the middle of the eighth round against Sugar Ray Leonard. No Moss is Roberto Duran's epitaph, even though Roberto Duran was the baddest man on the planet until that second fight against Sugar Ray Leonard. Scottie Pippen has never outrun, refusing to go back out on the court in the playoffs because they were going to run a play for Tony Kukoc instead of him. LeBron James has never entirely outrun Game 5 against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs when the Cavs were at home and he just completely withered in the face of pressure. Apparently now we're in an era where Whatever Roberto Duran did, whatever Scottie Pippen did, whatever LeBron James did, now they could say, oh, my mental health was not where I needed it to be, and we'd celebrate it. And I think that is not good. <laughs> I think that is not good. I don't think we want to build uh, excuses in to our society for things that stress us out, things that compel us to reach down a little deeper into ourselves and push through. I just think that's not going to be good for us. And so um, I read my tweets last night about Simone Biles because I was like, I wonder if I went over the line. Probably, you know, some, if Jesus is looking over my shoulder, I'd probably be like, yeah, that one's not the greatest. But I just am really and truly amazed at how we have become such an enabling culture. 
And I think we, um, it's not good. It's not good. That's my, that's my takeaway on it. Um, sometimes enabling is good if it's someone enabling you to do better. And that is what auiinfo.com does. A relationship with auiinfo.com for you as a small business owner, and by small I mean two people up to 50 people, will enable you to hand off to auiinfo.com some of the tasks that would take you a long, long time to do, and you wouldn't do them as well as they do. Investigating benefits for your employees. Why would you spend hours and hours, days and days, maybe even weeks, researching benefits when you don't understand the language of the industry, when you might limit your options, for instance, did you know you can get any chamber of commerce plan in the state of Ohio by belonging to any different chamber? Like you could belong to, oh, let's say, the Cincinnati chamber and get a Columbus chamber of commerce plan. You don't have to live in Columbus. You don't have to live in Cincinnati to be a member of their chamber. AUINFO.com knows all those nuances. They will share them with you if you go to their site, AUINFO.com, type into their chat, here's who I am, here's what I do, Here's my question. What do you think? You don't pay for that. There's no paywall up front. There's no paywall on the back end. There's no bill coming in the mail by surprise. They're paid by the companies that you select from the options they present to you. And they also offer a dedicated HR specialist available anytime with 300 training modules for your employees. And that's free as well. So it's silly to me that if you're a realtor, plumber, consultant, lawyer, doctor, and you're in, a, you're in business for yourself, that you wouldn't find someone who would enable you to do your business better at no cost to you. That's auiinfo.com. Again, auiinfo.com. <clears throat> okay, faith portion of the podcast. I don't have uh, much perfected today on this because honestly, my mind's been uh, elsewhere reflecting on uh, my stewardship of my platforms relative to the Simone Biles situation. But I read a verse this morning that um, brought me to a point where I thought I could share something with you that would be useful. And it, of course, is in the book of Proverbs, which is um, a book that is endless in its wisdom and in its direction. It is Proverbs 27. I know it's the 28th of the month. I read Proverbs 28, too. A lot of good stuff in there as well. But it is Proverbs 27, 21, and this is what it says. I've probably talked about this verse before because it, I love this verse. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. So the crucible and the furnace refine silver and gold. So what Solomon is saying here is, we are refined, we are tested, we are purified by the praise we receive. doesn't mean that we get praise and we're purified. Do you think silver and gold, if they were uh, animate objects, if they could feel pain, do you think they would enjoy going through the furnace? <laughs> do you think that'd be a pleasant experience, the crucible? Uh, no. Likewise, praise, Solomon is saying, is the crucible is the furnace. Praise can tempt you to react in a way that betrays the way you want to act. Praise lulls people in to doing things that they otherwise would not do. 
One of the most infamous, uh, well, no, one of the most enduring um, episodes <clears throat> that you, most of you are Ohio State fans, will recall is, of course, Tattoo Gate. Tattoo Gate led to Jim Trestle's, um, the end of Jim Trestle's tenure at Ohio State. And Tress is not very open, so I doubt he would ever say this on the record or would ever um, write it in a book. But I cannot help but believe that <clears throat> if he were given the opportunity to go back and redo that, when he received the email telling him about what happened during Tattoo Gate with his players selling their memorabilia for tattoos and stuff like that, um, what led to Jim Tressel not being the coach anymore was that he did not, he was not forthcoming with that information with the NCAA or Ohio State. And um, that is, I've always believed, the product of him wanting to get one more championship out of Terrell Pryor, you know, a, a national championship. And they were good in 2010. Remember, their only loss was at Wisconsin. They were number one in the country. So all the praise Tress received as the, for the phenomenal job he did at Ohio State, I think played into his um, compromise of judgment on something that I think he would do differently in hindsight, which is say, oh, man, what a, this is a drag. Like, all right, I got to go tell Gene this and you know, we'll deal with the penalties. I know this. If Jim Tressel had taken that email notifying him about what the players were doing to his boss, Gene Smith, or to the NCAA, his players would have gotten probably a four- or five-game suspension. He would not have been penalized at all. He did nothing wrong in the course of that commission of that then NCAA violation. It's not an NCAA violation. Well, it is an NCAA violation now, but it's much less serious of one in my view. Um, I think all the praise that Tress got momentarily compromised his judgment. And then after that momentary compromise of judgment, it was sent him down a road that he had to continue to compromise on things that I think he probably was deeply troubled by. We're all like that. We're all like that. I wish someone yesterday in the moment had had the influence over Simone Biles to say, hey, you can't do this. Like, you're, you're okay. Calm down. Go back out there and do your best. Go back out there and do your best. Now, you might not do very well, <clears throat> but go back out there and do your best because your teammates are counting on you and you don't want this to be your legacy. You don't want this to be a part of your legacy. There are people who go, ah, it's not our legacy. It is a part of your legacy now. It is. And so in those moments, and you'll be faced with them, I'll be faced with them, um, try to remember, and I'm going to pray about, having clarity in the moment to recognize that we're called to sacrifice for others. We're called to sacrifice for others. I'm pretty sure, in fact, I'm 100% sure, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He prayed, you know, if this is possible, Father, take this cup from me. 
I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't really don't want to do this. Like I know what's coming and I'm not crazy about it. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to endure the insults, the physical pain, all that. But he went through with it. He sweat drops of blood. Think he was stressed? Yeah. Um, but he was committed to sacrificing himself for others. That's our sample. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to sacrifice for others. And the praise that we receive for our accolades, for our accomplishments, tempt us to be selfish and um, shrink from the battle, shrink from the challenge. So um, that is what I would say is, uh, and the Bible always says, prepare yourself with prayer, you know, prepare yourself. Pray unceasingly, in season and out of season. Always be praying, because then you can access the Holy Spirit inside you, which you get when you accept Christ as your Savior. And so, just a reflection today on the danger of praise, the danger of adulation, and um, what it can do to the witness we want to convey to others. So... We'll stand by and see what happens with the Simone Biles story as the Olympics unfold. She can compete in the individual event finals next week. Um, don't know if she will. Uh, I pray for um, a good use of my platform and that um, I wouldn't needlessly participate in um, mob mentality online but i just really really bothers me the reaction to what she did being so um, enabling because i don't think that serves us well and i'm really glad jesus didn't bail on his mission so that's where i leave it today a july 28th edition we tackle life podcast review it on itunes send me an email we tackle life at gmail.com Thank you for your attention. Have a great rest of your week.